in a world with infinite music and limited time to listen. Two guys try and tell you what you should listen to. <laughs> this is something old, something new, something borrowed, and something brewed. Here on 86.5, yeah, the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, and Something Brewed. I am Andrew J. Pytel. And I'm Nick Lancaster. And joining us today for the entire episode is our guest, uh, John Johnson. Hey, what's up, guys? Just hanging out. Just hanging out. Cracking some beers. Yeah. Chilling. It is, in fact, Labor Day, so we're just kind of taking it easy Mm -hmm. on this one. Yeah, we're laboring real... No, we're <laughs> not laboring is what we're doing this time. Some light labor. Just light yeah. labor. Um, it's so, fun, so it doesn't feel like labor. <laughs> so this week, uh, Nick is going to kick us off with the Something Old segment. Nick, what did you uh, bring to the table today? So I brought to the uh, metaphorical table the album Chocolate and Cheese by Ween. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the classic. The classic. Uh, so this album was released in 1994. Um, Ween is Ween is kind of a cult band. Mm-hmm. Like they're not cult members themselves, but you know, you know, you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, they they've been around for a while, um, but I think this is their uh, sort of breakout album. Mm-hmm. Before this one, they had done uh, their debut album, which is called God Ween Satan: The Oneness. <laughs> which is very much lo-fi, uh-huh. as lo-fi as you can get. Um, the history of Ween is these two guys, uh, Gene and Dean Ween, which are not their real names, uh, but they're personas. We can um, believe. Yeah, I mean, I still believe. I leave out Ween cookies every night. And <laughs> yeah, but yeah every, Ween is comprised, every single night. <laughs> Ween is comprised of uh, two friends, Aaron Freeman and Mickey... Melchiando, I probably butchered that. Melchiando, but the, 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 these two guys that kind of met in high school, and they started the project as just these two-track recordings in their bedrooms. Yeah. Like I, I've found um, audio files of their original, mm-hmm. like four cassette releases, and it's pretty rough to listen to. Yeah, and uh, I was. The album that we're talking about today, Chocolate and Cheese, is the first album they actually recorded in a studio, if I've got that right. Everything else was basement side at best. Oh, yeah. Like, their early recordings, it's all them two and drum machines uh-huh. or, you know, whatever they could find because at yeah. the time it was just them. And but- so uh, I, was, I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking about, like, how these guys are kind of the... 
I don't want to say chaotic evil version of They Might Be Giants, <laughs> but they're like a parallel version of They Might Be Giants, where it's like two friends who met at a young age and started making music together, and mm-hmm. like their early stuff is sort of lo-fi and not the most technologically advanced, but they they went in two completely different ways, <laughs> yeah. whereas like They Might Be Giants is more really tight pop songs and like clever lyrics. Ween is a bit more irreverent and more willing to be loud and raunchy and gross and in your face. Yeah. So Chocolate and Cheese was an album uh, that I, I discovered a while ago. I would say in my formative years as a listening to music person. It's, it's raunchy because there's boobs on the cover. Yeah. That's true. Lower there boobs. <laughs> Lower boobs on under, the cover. Under boob, yeah. Which, apparently, from what I've read, the two guys from Ween didn't actually get to meet the person on the cover of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were super disappointed that they didn't get to. Uh, so the first song on the album is called Take Me Away. And I guess we could start with a clip from that. And uh-huh. it's kind of this... We'll set the stage. Yeah. It's kind of this weird, almost loungy-sounding song. Like, he, he says the first uh, lines of the song, like, take me away to another land. And then he's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, it sounds like he's talking to an audience, and it makes me think of, like, a lounge singer mm-hmm. type thing. So that's the first song, Take Me Away. Uh, here it is. So, Nick, what does this mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh... It means a lot of things, really. Uh-huh. This album, uh, it, it serves as a great gateway into Ween because there's a lot of variety on it. Like, the first song, like I said, has this weird loungy feel to it. And then it segues directly into a song called Spinal Meningitis Got <laughs> Me Down, yeah, which is sinister sounding and... It kind of introduces a Ween staple that he they do throughout their career is modify their vocals and he uses like a, a separate tracker and like pitch bends his vocals mm-hmm. to sound creepy and ominous and he does that several times on this album. So after <laughs> Spinal Meningitis, look it up. It's it's unsettling, but it's pretty good. Uh, we segue into Freedom of '76, which is again more of a I guess classic rock sounding song. They they jump from genre to genre and they do it fairly effortlessly. And I think getting back to your question, what does this album mean to me? I think I got into this album when I was getting away from listening to primarily classic rock, mm-hmm. which I was into for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I burnt myself out. Yeah, on like Led the Beastie Zeppelin Boys. And, yeah. Like yeah, Beastie Boys is classic. Well, I think over twenty years, I think is classic rock. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> yeah. oh really man, classic Nirvana is classic rock. Yeah, man. classic rock, like the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so you were you were kind of following the actual transition that Ween was was making, where they were a sound that was breaking the mold of of what we now call classic rock, which was contemporary rock then, and right fu- doing that. Frank Zampa esque thing of of really hitting a, a hitting a different performance aspect than what music is traditionally going for in that era, right? And I guess I would honestly like I wouldn't even classify Frank as classic rock because it doesn't 
Yeah. It doesn't fit that mold. Like, mm. obviously, some of his songs do, and those are the only ones that'll ever get airplay on a classic rock <laughs> station. Yeah. But I, I see them as separate entities almost, and that's kind of what Ween is with 90s bands, I guess. Mm. Uh, it's so out of the ordinary. And honestly, I think Ween gets slept on a lot. Like, they, they've gotten a lot more coverage in later years. I mean, thanks to the internet, but I think at the time, Chocolate and Cheese was probably like a stoner cult classic album that you had to be yeah. in the right circles to even hear about. Yeah, you some somebody stumbled upon it and told a friend who told a friend and you heard about it. Some cassettes were passed around. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. um, Put them in their cassette pipes and smoked <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'll play a little bit of Freedom of 76 because uh, this actually will have some precedence later on in the episode. What? Ooh. Mm, ominous. Callback. It's a callback. So here's uh, Freedom of 76. Foreshadowing. By, <laughs> by Ween. And Ed Wilson. And, and Ed Wilson. I don't know who Ed Wilson is. <laughs> so, Nick. Nick, you wanted to talk about the song A Tear for Eddie, which is uh, dedicated to the uh, guitar pioneer Eddie Hazel. Yeah, so Eddie Hazel was, I think, the one of the original guitar players in Parliament Funkadelic. And A Tear for Eddie is an instrumental track that starts with a drum machine, and then uh, Dean Ween plays very much in the style of Eddie Hazel and does sort of a ballad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if ballad's the right word. It's more of a mournful, melancholy um uh, guitar solo mm-hmm. that's very much stylistically like Eddie Hazel. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like his Maggot Brain, which is like an iconic funkadelic song that is often associated with Eddie Hazel. Mm-hmm. So it it starts out kind of slow and mournful, and then builds up, and there's a lot of fuzz distortion, and it's uh it's a it's a nice tribute, and it's a nice break from the weirdness for, I guess, more of conventional rock and roll sounds. Mm-hmm. So I think let's just play a little clip of a tear for Eddie, and I guess I'll just say this: like we can play a lot of clips because there's a lot of songs on this album, and they uh, Ween is very into short songs. Like I saw them live a few years ago, and they probably played thirty to forty songs, and that's because damn, <laughs> it's, it's because like they're not into jam bands, mm-hmm. even though I think they get lumped in with that crowd a lot. Like, Dean Ween has talked extensively about how much he hates Fish. And, like, Fish fans. It's, like, this weird... And, like, Fish covers one of their songs. Fish covers Roses Are Free, which is, like, the song right after A Tear yeah. for Eddie. Like, I've played Roses Are Free before, and some of my friends who are into Fish is like, oh, like, oh, what's this? I was like, oh, yeah, this is the song that, like, Fish is covering. But all the songs on here are relatively short, and I think that's also part of my they might be giants comparison Mm. is like they'll play 30 to 40 songs live because they go through them and they play them pretty much spot on to the record Mm -hmm. so it's like there's a lot of material to cover because by the time you start listening to the song it's almost done (laughs) (laughs) so here's a little clip of a tear for eddie from chocolate and cheese so coming out of that i want to know Final thoughts and reflections on this album 
John, you first. Uh, as someone who wasn't uh, uh, aware, I guess I was aware, but I wasn't uh, the the biggest fan. I didn't really know much about Ween. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Listening to this a couple times. As someone who never heard Ween before, like four hours before, ago in my living yeah, room. A couple times, listening to a few songs once. Uh, I, I dig it. I definitely dig it. I would dig it again. All yeah. right. Plus. Well, yeah, like I said. I dig it plus. I dig it plus. That's our new rating system. <laughs> I dig it plus. I dig it minus. Or just, I dig it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ween, I feel like it's been slept on for a long time, and people know about him, but. Not enough, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, final thoughts from me. This is a great entry point album for someone who's never heard Ween before. There, are, mm-hmm. I mean, there are other albums that they've put out that might be, you know, more musically challenging, better to listen to. You know, they after a while they finally get like studio musicians, and more of their albums sound less like basement recordings and more like you know real big boy records. So in that sense, oddly big enough, boy. big boy. Oddly enough, I think Chocolate and Cheese might be the okay computer of Ween. Because <laughs> the fo- follow me here. Yeah, yeah, because 10 years afterward. <laughs> well, I think this album is in a transitionary period. Because if you look at OK Computer, the two albums before it are Pablo Honey and The Benz. Mm-hmm. And OK Computer was like the, f- the first Radiohead album that started introducing weird electronic effects and different more experimental Mm -hmm. stuff and then they transitioned into kid a which is equal parts electronic and conventional rock and chocolate and cheese like right after this album they release a straight up country album with like studio musicians out of nashville and it's like 100 percent like old school nashville country so it's like this album is like their bridge between garage sound with drum machines and like irreverent lyrics to full-blown studio production and full-blown like instrumentation so i think it's important that way that it's a transitionary album that kind of helps you understand where they came from while also being more listenable than some of the stuff that they originally put out so yeah i think with that I want to end with maybe my favorite song on the album, and it's actually one of the more somber songs. And I think later on with more of Ween's material, they kind of let in that there's more at the surface than just the irreverent, like, dick and fart jokes. Like, there's some emotional songs that they put out, and it's like for a band that has a reputation as being kind of silly and funny. You know, they're they're featured on South Park. Mm -hmm. Like, the very first Ween song that I ever heard was called Homo Rainbow and it was on it was on the Chef Aid South Park album. You know? So it's like they're known as this irreverent funny band, but they've got a tender side to them as well. And they really let that show on the track what Diener was talking about. So I think let's end the review on Ween's Dig It Plus Chocolate and Cheese. Coming into the something new portion of the show. Mm. Nick, I think you forgot something. What did I forget? Just because we're calling it I Dig This Plus doesn't mean you get away without giving a number (laughs) rating to Chocolate and Cheese by Ween. Um, I'm going to give it 
<laughs> Let's see. I think I'm going to give it about 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? Yeah, there's some songs on there that haven't aged super well. Mm-hmm. Some of it's kind of weird and experimental, and it's like, all right, but I don't know. It gets kind of grating after a while, like a few of the more hearkening back to their old days sure. types of songs. So, yeah, that's a solid 7 out of 10. Nice. Plus. Cool. You, you can uh, <laughs> you can introduce me again. Okay. Though. So yeah, coming into the something new portion of the show, Andrew is going to be covering in incredible detail. Oh fuck! <laughs> uh, Mogwai's "Every Country Sun," which at the time of this recording was released three days ago. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the thing, y'all. <laughs> I got in over my head on this one uh, after. Two episodes ago, when I covered everything now, I had a three-day turnaround time. Um, albums. Albums can't... <laughs> Music albums come out about three days before we record, generally. And so, I'm like, cool, let's get on. Let's get on the bleeding edge of talking about what's new. Um, maybe one day, you know, we can get previews and, and be, like, eat, like, actually reviewing things before they've been out um so what i did is i looked at what was coming out right before we recorded this mm-hmm. and i picked kind of randomly it's a band i had never heard of before um oh. okay which i've come to find out is a band that is over 20 years old with a very deep portfolio uh and it's a style that i am not super familiar with so as I went in to break this thing down track by track, I I don't have that for you. <laughs> uh, Every Country's Son uh, is the ninth studio album by Mogwai. Um, this band Mogwai identifies as post-rock, which uh, is similar to what a lot of people will call Prague. Um, I believe Mogwai has been known as Stadium Prague in their wall of sound identity at live shows. Um, The songs that they produce, a whole lot of this album, and their work as a whole, is non-lyrical. They are essentially soundscapes. I would agree with that. And it's... uh, It is... It is just kind of out of my wheelhouse, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to try my best to tell you if you've never listened to anything by this band or anything like it before, my review based on that. <laughs> so, the first two tracks on the album, Cool Vereen and Party in the Dark, are sort of a, uh, a quick combo of, of excitement. Uh, cool Vereen is very akin to the sound that the band is going to project for the rest of the album. It is introspective. It is quiet. It's changing and dynamic over time, and it's featuring a lot of different instrumental sounds and and changes to to evoke emotion while being sort of like dark and moody. And the second song, uh, Party in the Dark, is almost, it, it's almost a pop song. Um, it, it features 
you know, structured verse chorus lyrics, which like well, pretty much nothing else by this band ever has, and especially <laughs> nothing else on this album. Um, and so it, it's a quick bit of, uh, it creates a little turbidity in your listening. You come in and you're like, oh, cool. I know what this is going to sound like. And then I have absolutely no idea. So <laughs> what I think we're going to throw you are two back-to-back clips. Okay. The first one is going to be Coolverine, um, which is going to seat you into the general Mogwai sound. The second one is Party in the Dark, which is a quick change-up. Sure. Here we go. So my initial experience with Mogwai mm-hmm. was the, uh, I think the bass player in my band had talked about them before. And I, I think I had heard some of their stuff like adjacent to it, like mm-hmm. the, like some of their earlier albums, like other yeah. material that they've put out. And sort of my takeaway is that, yeah, it's largely instrumental and progressive and... Mm-hmm. Like the the interesting layering of effects that they have is pretty neat. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. It's kind of hard to review like an instrumental album without, I guess, delving into like the music theory of it all. Like I don't know exactly. It's kind of hard to pick out like themes and motifs and ideas through instrumental music. And if and if if you are tuning in, having seen that we're doing this album. And hoping for a super in-depth <laughs> breakdown of the musicality of it, I I don't have that for you. What I have is if you like listening to music in general, and you don't mind stuff that comes off as a bit experimental, this is pretty good. Um, coming out of those two songs, we've really set the stage. Um, the next two. Brain Sweeties and Crossing the Road material evoke the same sound that is present on the whole album. Um, each each song is its own experience. Each song is very dynamic. Um, it's a familiar range of instrument sounds and effects to sort of tell a nonverbal story. Every song except for Party in the Dark pretty much comes off that way. And it, you can tell, though, it, it feels very self-referential in a way. The whole thing is, is pretty introspective. It, it's, it feels like Mogwai exploring their own sound. Um, they worked with a producer, I believe, on this album that was um he was he was on board with what are referred to as the two best mogwai albums generally the best reviewed and the best uh lauded among fans of the genre and the band and so they were bringing back a more of a classic sound for them which the the nuance of which is is beyond someone like me who is not not truly invested hours and hours and hours and hours into progressive rock and this band in particular. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're working with like a, a certain producer who's worked with you before, like coming back to that can be, you know, pretty refreshing or it can definitely influence the type of sound that you make. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Beck makes an album with Danger Mouse, you you can hear it. 
Yeah. Or, you know, if Arcade Fire makes an album with the dude from Daft Punk, <laughs> musically, it's good because that guy's a good musician. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine for Mogwai fans, having this producer back who's probably made, yeah, like you said, some classic albums with the band. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that the reception will probably be pretty welcoming. Mm-hmm. The next song uh, I think that is really of note is the fifth track on the album, which is entitled AKA 47. Oh, I get it. Oh, my neighbor's taking the trash out right now. Yeah. I think he. Well, graffiti and trash I don't, can. I, don't no, I think, think Labor Day is garbage day. No, I think. No, I think here's how it went, and I, I want to leave this in the episode because okay, I think this it's is going in because I think it's Good. funny, but I'm pretty sure they took the trash out this morning, realized that the trash wasn't going to be there, took it back to their house, probably put some more trash bags in there, and now they're just taking it back to the curb. <laughs> like they took it out once, took it back, and now they're taking it back out. I don't know. That's funny to me. That's that's a that's a rookie mistake, is what we call that in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I, I just would have rolled into it and left it out there and been like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. Or just take your trash out front, and then let everyone see what's going on. <laughs> I don't get the day off of making trash. You shouldn't get the day off of taking trash. So the song is called AKA Forty Seven, and this is an extremely. Um, ambient focused song and a lot of these uh songs sound like soundtrack and and mogwai has done a lot of soundtrack work um this one in particular on this album aka 47 really captures i think some of the best emotional musical phrasing on the album and it's hard to point out specific things on uh on an album like this because there aren't you know particular turns of phrase or lines or lyrics that are affecting it it takes the entirety of the song to really tell a story and i wish we could play an entire song um but i'm pretty sure somebody would sue us yeah the mogwai guys yeah the The mogwai the mog guys the mogwais the moog the moogles from Final Fantasy wow. would sue us. D- deep breath. <laughs> Actually, now I know where I thought where I got Mogwai from. Someone in our apartment has their Wi-Fi and it's called Mog Wi-Fi. So <laughs> that's a, that's a, a Mogwai f- is like a it's like a some sort of uh, mystical creature, mischievous imp kind of thing. Oh right? fuck! Mogwais are uh, what the Furbies turn into in that movie yeah. that everyone born 15 years before me is screaming about how I don't know what it's Furby called. Furby Part 2? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Furby yeah. 2. It's classic. Furby 2, Mogwai Bugaloo. So um. this, <laughs> this is uh, as much as we're legally allowed to give you of AKA 47. Something that I'm very thankful for for uh for mogwai this album and and something i've never really spent a whole lot of time listening to and evaluating is a super interesting album and a lot of the reviews the the early reviews that came out for this are kind of mixed uh pitchfork called this an album you should listen to today, the day that it came out. Um, 
several reviews are putting it under, you know, less than 40%, whatever their, you know, ranking system is, less than four stars out of 10. Um, for me, and I think for most of you, you're not comparing every country's son to the past eight Mogwai albums and like the several soundtracks that they've done. You would be listening to it fresh, be listening to it of its own accord. And I think that's how maybe this should be done because I found almost every track to be moving and interesting in a way that I mean, this is episode five. You've you've heard me review things before, and I had a lot of words to say about Portugal, the man's Woodstock, and a lot of words to say about Arcade Fire's everything now. And where I found myself listening to this was feelings that were a little beyond exactly something I could write down. The, the songs sound good the musicianship is tight the instrumentation is nuanced and exciting maybe what this album lacks is a bit of direction because you do start off with these first two songs that are essentially counterpoints of the sound that this band can create and then uh, you know, up to this point, as we're moving on to round track eight is where I'm going to land. Um, the most noteworthy thing was a, like a super ambient sounding song. Um, and what maybe you're missing is like a key, a key point, a, a, a climax, like a, the, the focal point of the album. And the closest I think you get is Don't Believe the Fife. Um, it's a fun... It's a fun name of the song, <laughs> um, and it does you know a good job of of embodying the sound that Mugwai has really settled on for this album, and it pulls at you and pushes at you the way that only music like this can, and so I think. I, I, well, I think a quick, I, I think a clip of that is in order. And again, this is a, a six minute and twenty four second song. And <laughs> I, I, of all of all the songs on the album, though, this is one of maybe two that I, I truly do recommend everyone listen to. And so you're only going to get a brief clip of that, um, but it is on Spotify or. Not on Apple Music, but this album's around, and I think you should check it out if you can. So coming out of that, uh, I don't know. I, I you mentioned that this is like more. It's more art music than like conventional music. Absolutely, each each song isn't for traditional song form and structure. It's 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 painting. It's, it's a so, sound painting. So yeah, I'll I'll say this. I think. Like, you mentioned, you know, people who would listen to other material by them, other albums, might not like this as much. And I think I think you might be looking at it the wrong way if, if you're, like, comparing it against other albums. Because, like, I, I, this sounds like it's an art piece, and it sounds like that's kind of what this band does, is puts out just art pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say that in, like, the least pretentious way possible. Mm-hmm. But it's like, 
if you want to truly experience it, it's kind of, it seems kind of counterproductive to compare it to like the thing that they did the very first album they put out versus like this thing or, you know, their second album versus their seventh or their four, you know? Yeah. It's like, you kind of have to appreciate it on its own merits as its own, you know, individual piece. Cause it's like, they could have been in a completely different headspace with this album than they were with like their other material. And coming from, from my perspective, uh, looking at this album, it's hard to judge because if you're a follower of the band and you're super into the scene, then you might be, this would be like comparing, you know, a painting by a certain artist to the previous paintings by that artist. And here I come comparing this painting to, uh, to a a statue made of reclaimed wood. Like they're just (laughs) different mediums as much as, you know, audio music is its own medium you hit an entirely different world when you're telling your whole story through and not every song is but very generally uh non-lyrical music so i gotta ask what is your rating for (laughs) yeah we 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 talk about how you can't judge you can't judge this here's an arbitrary number (laughs) scale rating (laughs) Yeah, so what is it? Um what what hits me with this album is that I I listen to it and I don't I don't dislike it. And I also don't know if I like it. It's about to be savage. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to give it a uh a 4. Out of five. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Fucking got you guys. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah no, I think I, I actually, and and maybe what this means if if every other album released by this band is better than this one, fuck, I should go listen to those ones because I truly <laughs> did like what I heard here. And this is coming from someone who's not a connoisseur of the progressive scenes. So if you want to smoke some fat J's and listen to cool non-verbal music, I do recommend Every Country's Son by Mogwai. If you've been looking to dust off your sensory deprivation tank, <laughs> damn, put on this album and go lay in it and uh, yeah. experience some things. Maybe yeah. blog about it. Send us tweet at us you know actually <laughs> it's funny um quick quick sidebar before we move on uh sensory deprivation tank reminds me of um what was that netflix original series stranger things stranger things um uh, some of the songs in this use a synth that sounds almost Ooh. like influenced by the stranger things soundtrack yeah so like a classic you, like 70s synth yeah, vibe i dig that if you like the stranger things soundtrack <laughs> I'm sure you can find that, but if you can't find that, <laughs> there's this new album called Every Country's Son by Mogwai. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back, uh, continuing with our guest, John Johnson, and the album he brought to us today, which is... How It Goes, Big D, and The Kid's Table. Awesome. See you in a sec. We'll uh, transition into that with the titular song, Every Country's Son, from Every Country's Son by the band. Every Every Country's Son. (laughs) Mogwai by the band Mogwai. Mogwai. Here it is. The music artist group. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is Andrew. Um, Nick and I just want to say 
Thanks again for all the support. Um, if you have not yet, please do um, rate and review on iTunes. It's pretty much the only effective way to get new people to listen to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, let us know so that we can let other people know. Um, other than iTunes, we are also now on Google Play and Stitcher. And um, eventually we'll be on Spotify, but we're jumping through a couple legal hurdles there. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at a, at S-O-S-N-S-B-S-B podcast, which is the acronym for something old, something new, something borrowed, something brewed. It's more of an initialism than an acronym now that I think about it. Uh, we are also on Facebook at something old, something new, something borrowed, something brewed. Um, check out our social media for great content. We have pictures of cats and beer and <laughs> mostly pictures of Nick. Cause I take most of the pictures. Um, we really, 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 truly appreciate the support. Um, we, we love doing this and we, we hope to continue doing it. Um, anyway, um, that'll probably do it for me here. So we're going to jump right back in to the show coming into the home stretch of the show we have the something borrowed portion and this week we have friend of the show john johnson and he is bringing in a ska punk album that i have never heard of before mm -hmm. called how it goes by big d in the kids table i neglected to mention what John does because usually we try and have an oh, yeah. angle with uh, our guests. Let's let let's introduce our guest real quick because we were reprimanded for not doing that in the past. <laughs> um, Retcon. Here we go. Friend John, of the show, what do you John do? Johnson. Uh, I my name's John Johnson. I play bass in Paradise Outlaw, is a country rock Americana band based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, yeah, that is primarily what I do. I'm also in another band, Long Term Access, alt rock band out of Grand Rapids. Check it out as well. Yeah, and you're and you you studied music in school, right? You're I did. I studied music uh, a real at a, musician at Aquinas College. Yeah, I, as much as as a bass player can be a real musician, I am definitely <laughs> a real musician. Yeah, that's the old uh, interest level gauge, right? I'm in a band, interested. I play, very interested. Mm. Bass. And Zero. so as we move on, <laughs> uh, yeah, How It Goes is going to be the second album um, recorded in Boston that we talk about on the show. So, What was the what first you, one? What was, what was the other one? Um, uh, what was the Bent Knee album we did uh, with, with Dan Sogamonian? It was a Bent Knee album. Land, okay. Animal. Land Animal. Land Animal. Okay. So very different Boston sounds. <laughs> yeah, but this, I'm sure they both love lobster rolls. This I'm, I'm guaranteed David McWayne loves lobster rolls he's the lead singer of <laughs> bindi and the kids table uh very deep serious boston accent on this guy mm -hmm. um and it, i mean it, it comes through it's more of like a shout um exclamation type of vocal than mm -hmm. than he's singing uh, i i've been listening to big d and the kids table for a long time this is the first album that i listened to probably when i was 14 15 years old this came out in, I think, 2004, and I caught on to it a couple years after that. Um, this was kind of, for Big D and the Kids Table, 
prior to this, they were primarily ska punk. Mm-hmm. How, how does this vary from that ska punk identity? Um, there's a lot of, on this one, there's a lot of, like, first wave ska sounds, rock steady, dub, which later albums for them, uh, Strictly Root, I think, was the next one on. Mm-hmm. There's a drastic change, and it's way more dub, uh, early ska, laid back, rock steady sound. Mm-hmm. But okay. this one, they have a good mix of having those laid back traditional sounds <laughs> as well as having uh, the ska punk third wave kind yeah. of thing going on. So I think, because as much as you and I have listened to this album throughout the years, that a this lot, is probably yeah. not the most well known album of all time. <laughs> I can guarantee this isn't the most well-known album of all time. No, I, I haven't listened to every episode of your, your cast, but I imagine this is one that has a limited number of views from the, the guest portion. Yeah, I, we have not talked about this album yet on the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> so, okay. okay. I, think, I think what we need to do is dive in and listen to a bit of a track, and I do notice that on the album art for this album, there is a parental advisory sticker yes there is Um, Um, on the second track of the album i'll go back and talk about the first one too but on the second track is called lax and the parental advisory sticker is there specifically for that song they say the fuck word um (laughs) i think like 37 times or something like that they say it a bunch of times and it's a great song so yeah and and i i do have to say you know if we we do throw the e on the podcast this is an explicit podcast but if you have some sort of like fuck hit points <laughs> i just don't think it's worth it to listen to this clip you're not gonna make it through yeah. because like you're sure gonna lose a fuckload of them not- <laughs> if um, your fp drops to zero yeah, have a if your phoenix down right if your and, fp uh, is under like 50 this is too much <laughs> But if you don't have that super rare congenital condition, then <laughs> give this shit a listen. So we're going to drop you into LAX by Big D and the Kids Table. So yeah, that was LAX by Big D and the Kids Table. That's, fuck! Fuck, yeah. You heard it here again. Um, so um, <laughs> My mind has been poisoned. <laughs> I, lo- I love that song. Um, Andrew, I remember listening to that song with you. <laughs> We were 14, 15 years old, something like that, yeah. driving down. I was invited on your family vacation uh-huh. down to Florida. We Everyone's drove to Florida. super jealous right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we each had one earbud in listening yep. to this album, specifically this song on the way, and just giggling because, like, yeah, fuck, yeah, we're so cool. <laughs> yeah, so fuck, edgy. Fuck you, rich people, and you're <laughs> fucking goddamn, Yes. God, so edgy. So, for... did, I mean, wait, did you ever play that like in the car with your parents? Like, were, was that ever a thing? Oh, like, loud? Yeah, that's like, a great question. I want to say probably not because I'm shaking I mean, my head. No, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you you can't hear it, but he's shaking his head now. <laughs> I can hear it. Uh, because like when I was younger, I was like I was super into like System of a Down, mm-hmm. and like I I wanted to play it in the car. Like when I when I was riding in the front seat with my mom or dad, like. I wanted to play it, but I was like, I had to be really discreet on which songs didn't have wake up. Yeah, like certain obscenities, and like I remember, I'd, <laughs> I I would know where they're coming up in the song. So right as it was about to happen, I would say something to my mom and start like a conversation 
just to cover <laughs> up those swear words. And then once that part of the song was done, yeah. I'd like quiet right back down. Yeah, I think we would do a similar. <laughs> we'd do a similar thing with LAX where we just yeah would not play it. We would just shout for like just like uh, most of the song. We would just <laughs> hey, elitists from LA. Oh, <laughs> it's about wait. Okay, so. So yeah, so moving um, on. I mean, I'm a so let me just talk about this. I'm a big ska kid at heart. I mean, my first show was um, I was I went and saw at Clutch Cargos. I went and saw Real Big Fish, Streetlight Manifesto. This is early Streetlight Manifesto, like right when they released Everything Went Numb, and um, I think it was like Whole Wheat Bread and MXPX or something like that. So yeah, really well rounded out show there. <laughs> Um, so I've been a Scott kid for a long time, and this album is on my quintessential list. If you are sort of interested in it, not interested in it, kind of interested in it, whatever, you should listen to it. Um, the first song on the album that we skipped over to listen to LAX is uh, called The Songs, The Sounds of Alston, and that is more of the rock steady, traditional, early Scott, first wave Scott vibe going on. Um, that kind of leads you in, kind of traps you in, kind of baits <laughs> you in, and goes, okay, like, what's this all going to be about? This sounds nice. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little voiceover at the end of the track that says, hey, I'm really excited about this. We're going to have a new hit record. And then they play LAX, <laughs> and they say, fool, yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was, I mean, when I was growing up and, forming my musical tastes this really wasn't on my radar at all and Scott i f- wasn't no not i mean i i knew i mean honestly like i knew about some reggae some ska like so, some stuff like slightly in that area but it never really appealed to me and i think being older now and like having a more refined musical palette yeah i listen to this and i'm like oh wow like i I would have never seen myself liking this kind of stuff, but now I'm kind of into it. And I think I've also like been listening to more folk punk and like stuff in that area. Like the Laura's Lauren Stevenson that we talked about. Is it Lauren or Laura? Laura, Laura, Laura Stevenson. that we listened to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Laura Stevenson, AJJ, that kind of, yeah. Laura Stevenson, AJJ, uh, Jeff Rosenstock. Like I've, I've been slowly pulled more to the Mm -hmm. punk ish, uh, wheelhouse and yeah i was shocked how much i like this to be completely honest yeah it, it it was all there and it's different than what was mainstream then or now but uh i have I'm shit like yeah we'll get into the we'll get into the, my history with this stuff i think one beer later so yeah so uh that you know there's there's a lot of what i like about this album specifically is that there's a lot of um like that Ween album, like like the Ween album we were talking about, yeah. it's, there's a lot of, uh, it covers a lot of ground. There's a lot of variety on this album. It goes from the the slower, easy listening stuff to the faster punk ska, ska punk, however you want to slash it there. Spunk. Spunk. There you go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> okay, that gets it right there. But um, it, it covers a lot of ground, and like... Um, a band that that was heavily influenced by Big D and the Kids Table, Arrogant Sons of Bitches, which Jeff Rosenstock started out with. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the vo- the lyrics are 
based on personal issues or the inside jokes, things you might not, the listener might not catch on the first listen, but as you are more familiar with the band and go back and listen to older stuff and listen to their later things, you might um, connect with it a little more. Um, yeah, so after that LAX song, uh, we got more some more Scott Punk, New Nail Bed. It's another um, more punkier song, I guess. Uh, n- if we want to, it's more upbeat ska vibe, which I feel like that's something that's uh, missing in a lot of ska punk realm. Is that there's not it's it's more it's either hard and fast and it's kind of just hitting you, or it's it's you know really sky it's really 90s like oh goldfinger this was on the tony hawk pro skater 3 soundtrack (laughs) oh my god tony hawk era sky is the the something of the sky (laughs) it's 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 the something all right it is the something um another great song on this album girls against drunk bitches it's pretty self-explanatory it's uh it's about girls versus uh drunk girls who are rude aka bitches um and that that features some female vocals that are also featured on a couple other tracks on this album that are not listed i don't know who sang these these uh these vocal tracks Mm -hmm. the female tracks so if you or someone you know sang female vocals on how it goes by (laughs) baby in the kids table Please contact us and let us know so we can update the Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) All Um, right. (laughs) Here's Girls Against Drunk Bitches by Big D and the Kids Table. So I don't think they said fuck enough in that song. (laughs) No, no, not nearly. Not if we're going to. I'll go back and edit some in. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, if you could just tell some fucks in there, that'd be great. (laughs) That song's song's cool because it's. it's kind of also they they do some like ska core stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what is ska core? Ska core is it's like metal ska. It's like hard ska punk. Hmm. Like like it's not like, fun ska punk. It's a it's a um, armor digivolved uh, <laughs> ska. Like <laughs> against all authority, flaming tsunamis, that kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see what we, what's next. You lost your crazy. That some, that's a track that has some great, uh, great vocal melodies, some great catchy riffs. The thing I love about this band is that as a bass player, they are, it's so fun to listen to how active their bassist is. And how how fun some of the lines that he's playing, and he'll go and he'll go from playing the you know like playing a reggae line, and then he'll burst right into mm-hmm. playing fast breakbeat punk kind of thing. And I just think that's yeah. Um, a lot of times, fun popular music can just have the most unengaging bassline of all time, and this uh, the 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 ska genre sort of just dissipated into a bunch of different areas and but 
while that was happening, you could see just so many different influences all taking place at the same time, and you could find interesting things, and that allowed even what is overlooked by pop music to find a home. And you could get in the bass, you know, fun and changing bass lines, and you could get world percussion if you wanted and really introduced a lot of different ideas yes absolutely and that's the thing about this album is that it was a lot of different ideas and it was sort of a transitionary period for the band um they went from you know Mm -hmm. from all punk ska to their later albums if you take a listen to all the later ones it's all dub rock steady uh-huh um, so it's it's a nice introductory uh, album to the band because you can say oh if you like this go listen to the later stuff or if you like this go listen to the earlier stuff. Um, so it, it's good that there's there's a little bit of everything for everybody here. <laughs> um, some other great songs on this album. Bender's a great one. It's a great catchy song. I listen to this. I mean, like I said, I listened to this since I was fourteen, fifteen years old. I wasn't drinking alcohol back then. But I was like, man, that's that sounds like a cool song. That sounds like a good time. Going on a bender this weekend. I don't know exactly know what that means. Now I know what it means. Maybe it's uh, not so fun. It's not. It's it seems fun. It's not so fun, no. And then they dive right back into more of the laid back stuff. Safe Haven is another song with those female vocals on it that I mystery female vocals, not sure where they came from. And also D. Wayne showed that he can do some actual singing and not just uh, Boston shouting. Boston Strong. <laughs> I love Boston it. Shout, Boston Strong. That's my, that's my favorite Sam Adams beer, the uh, the Boston shouting. Uh, <laughs> Sam Adams Boston Shout is a American barley wine. <laughs> All right. Um, You're Me Now has more of uh, this that ska core hard sound a lot of uh really fast guitar lines and and really it's just really heavy sounding song um voice alone is not really doesn't really fit into any of the other uh subcategories that i've laid out so far um Mm -hmm. that's this is it's like a interesting alt rock song almost early 2000s alt rock song so you know, maybe if you if you weren't digging oh, any yeah, of dude, the other stuff. I love stuff, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, if you weren't digging any of the other stuff and you love the Foo Fighters, Voice Alone is your track. Uh, this next song is one of my favorites, My Girlfriend's on Drugs. <laughs> we uh, got to listen to this one. Yeah, right? we're going to listen to this one okay. for sure. Let's, let's yeah. take a listen to this. All right, here's My Girlfriend's on Drugs. Yeah, so that's that's uh, My Girlfriend's on Drugs, Big B in the Kids <laughs> Table. Um, I really love songs like that where you're never entirely sure where the title came from um, because it's it's such a deep, deep reference to like the inner machinations of the lyrics of the song. Oh, ex- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, actually, if you listen to the end of Voice Alone, the track just before, there's a little... They, they do a lot of like little uh, interjecting voiceovers mm-hmm. uh, in this album. And the the one on at the end of voice alone is is it's a it's I assume drunken voicemail mm-hmm. from a from a woman to another woman uh, talking about how uh, you're a you're a escort and I'm going to you know 
beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that may have been the girlfriend that was on drugs. I don't know. Ah, I see. I think some continuity between yeah, these tracks. Yeah, they, they like to, it's, it's, it flows. It's very flowy. Um, and that's, again, that's excellent mm-hmm. bass line. I love, I love it. It's so, so fun to play. Um, the next song, President. It, you know what about the thing about this song is that it fits no matter who the president is, no matter what your political <laughs> be- beliefs are. And I'll say uh, the, the the line that that makes me think that is, "Hey, hey, president!" It's the chorus. It's "Hey, hey, president!" Yeah, you president, you're full of you're full of shit. Yeah, shit. Yeah, you're full of shit. And yeah, that's you know you can <laughs> you can say that about just about any of our. Uh, elected officials possibly yeah that seems like a pretty accurate yeah, blanket it's, it's, statement yeah you know not offending anybody offending everybody yeah it's they uh, that when yeah when you just said that i was like that's maybe the most punk rock thing like the the most punk rock line i've ever heard like <laughs> if like if there's one line that could embody that genre it'd be like telling the president that he's full of shit that yeah so that's that's a great song uh the next song cut show as it's about uh, social backstabbing, I guess, um, which kind of tie, you know, it's kind of exemplary of, of what I was talking about with, with, you know, you might not know everything about what the lyrics specifically are talking about. However, it's they're, they're singing slash shouting it with passion and they're catchy melodies and you're going to latch onto it. And it's got some awesome horn lines in this song. Um, the next one is Little Bitch, which is a specials cover. Um, it has a fucking terrific guitar solo <laughs> in this song. and The specials are a, a f- f- second wave ska Specials are second wave ska band from uh, England area. I'm, I'm somewhere mm-hmm. in, in, in England, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. One English of the Chesters. <laughs> <laughs> one of those chesters yeah um and then we got a couple other good ones we all have to burn something i really don't know what that's about that's another laid back rock steady-esque one i don't know what they want to burn they want to burn something <laughs> we've all got something to burn i can relate to that we all gotta burn something <laughs> mm-hmm. vices i've got something to burn after the show <laughs> oh wow. my god uh, whoa no, what PG-13 over here. Okay. No, this is an E-rated. E for explicit. E for Not- everyone. <laughs> e- E-10+. Let's- E-10+. <laughs> EA Sports. Um, 175. I never understood this until recently as an adult because you don't play uh, disc golf or, or ultimate frisbee as a child. But... Maybe you did, Nick. I don't know. You're giving me a look. I've right played now. ultimate. I've played ultimate for a long time. Okay. <laughs> Nick's Nick's an ultimate frisbee all star. Oh wow. <laughs> sure. Uh, One seventy five, I guess, is the weight. Oh yeah. Of of a is that an ultimate disc? Yeah, one hundred seventy five grams is yeah. That's like the official ultimate disc weight. Yeah. And and in the song, that's what they talk about is what. Oh, that's what they talk about is is throwing, you know, they say 175 grams of disc, and they talk about getting out of the van after a long stretch on tour. That's awesome. Throwing around and everything. <laughs> um, and then this next song, which I, I want uh, to play a clip of, is definitely my favorite song on the album. It's called Chicago. 
and it's super jazzy. Let's just let's uh, take a listen to that. This one's called Chicago by Big D and the Kids Table. So that was uh, Chicago, Big D and the Kids Table. I really like that one. Super jazzy guitar, um, and the the interesting. There's a lot of lines in here that are um, alluding to kind of affirming oneself within whatever you are interested in doing in this case they're affirming their kind of place in the music scene mm -hmm. there's a lot of lines like uh whoever said we'd be last i don't think so uh -huh. we're just as good as them if not better and now i know what they meant if they always said we're not noticed but we have so much more to give that's hmm. like if you not if you're not even if you're not getting all the recognition that you think you might deserve, you still have your your place. You still have your input to give. Um, nice. So I, I I like that a lot, and that's kind of that kind of ties in with the whole theme of this album was they didn't know this song LAX um, probably a couple other ones talk about it, but they all it, it, there's this overarching theme of of how. They didn't know if they thought this was going to be their last album. They thought if this mm -hmm. wasn't a success, we're done. And they and they kind of joke about mm -hmm. it with the first two tracks, and they hint out on this this track Chicago, and uh, you know they've been putting a lot of time, and they thought you know if if we're not successful, then you know we had our we had our chance, we put we did our best. Let's let's just put our best foot forward and see what happens. And sure enough, this was a pretty big hit for them as far as third wave ska music hits go yeah i don't know what's any numbers on that but um and and they're still playing today i mean this was 2004 and they are still thriving as of 2017 so shit um, it's 2017 already it is yeah, indeed we hit it fuck yeah. we did it we did it mama so, we made it so john you seem to have um a pretty firm grasp on this album got a lot of thoughts um you've really really put words to this so in four words what's your final take <laughs> on this album four words final, final take. take four words final take on this album very pleased with this <laughs> Hell yeah! And then, <laughs> fuck yeah! Okay, um, so I, yeah, I I love this album. I would give it if I was gonna give it a number, which you have to. Which I give have me an to. arbitrary number rating. Okay, I would give it. You saw the contract. An eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Nice. That's the nice. number. Hell yeah! Big fan. All right, so bringing it into the end here um, is one of my one of my four favorite segments of this show <laughs> something brewed um and today i'm really excited for this we are drinking a um so shorts brewing is in their tap rooms in bel-air michigan but i think they brew out of elk rapids michigan and we're drinking a beer today that is a collaboration um with the half acre beer company out of chicago and we thought that'd be a nice tie-in with John talking about the song Chicago. But no, no, that one just happened to be random. Um, <laughs> the beer we're drinking is Freedom of 78. I'm looking at this which bottle. Is, I was like, what are you talking which about? Which is a, it, it does, it, it, 
But it, uh, Freedom of 78 is a direct reference to the song Freedom of 76 by Ween on the album Chocolate and Cheese. That's partially why I picked that album in this beer. Yeah. Tying it all together. Yeah. And never know also, This is also like one of my favorite. We're trying um, to be like Donald Glover yeah. and tie it all together. It's all, it's a, it's a multi-sensory experience. Mm. Uh, yeah, I picked this beer because it's also one of my favorite summer beers and it's like September, you guys, and summer is basically done. So mm. it's kind of like my final hoorah. Mm. Um, but yeah, Freedom of 78. Um, I've been to the, the restaurant up in shorts a couple times and they love ween. I've come to realize like all of their food items are named after ween songs for a while. Their menu was based on the ween album Quebec. And then, um, yeah, this Freedom of 78 is brewed with Pink Guava, which there is a Ween album called Pure Guava. So mm-hmm. their influence is, you know, sort of on their sleeve with this one. But that's about all I know about this beer, so I'll let you uh, <laughs> yeah. take so, it away. Getting into this beer. Just cracked it. Getting huge fruit on the nose. And with this being an IPA brewed with Guava... That uh, that fruit edition is gonna take the forefront here. Like if you've had a a pairing grapefruit IPA before or something along those lines, the f- when you put in actual fruit, you're gonna take over the flavor. Um, it tastes like. <laughs> mm. Mm. Hmm. actually very nice. Um. Yeah, the first time I ever had mm. it was on tap at Shorts, and I couldn't believe how yeah. good it was. I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, one of the things you can do with brewing the fruit like that, um, when you toss in a fruit, you're just adding to the residual sugar. You're creating sweetness in the beer that's not necessarily there. And the way a lot of places like to take that is to make a sweeter, like, in quotes, fruitier beer. Um, what we've got here with this Freedom of 78 is they're definitely not shying away from creating like a bitter, strong IPA. And the guava is just a nice sort of a counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. Um, John, any thoughts? Yeah, I dig it. I give it a dig plus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I can't... I. I haven't had a lot of shorts beers. I was kind of um, feel like what what's the really popular one they have? Soft Parade. Soft Parade. It's, yeah. it's so that's so prevalent. And Soft Parade is actually an example of using fruit in beer to make it like sweeter and more like palatable to the common person. So this is nice to see this exact counterpoint to that yeah, from exactly. the same brewery. That's way too sweet for me. And this is it has a little sweetness, but it is it is very mm-hmm. bitter. And I I, uh, I do enjoy that. Shorts, yeah. uh, shorts make some good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I love their uh, Bel Air Brown Humalupalicious. This episode is brought to you by Shorts. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> if Joe Short is listening, I will take 50 bucks, please. <laughs> please? <laughs> All right. Um, so I just got to say, it's been a blast recording this episode. Um, I'll let you know now we're tacking on a little bonus clip to the end of the show about um, 
Childish Gambino and Donald Glover just, we, in between segments, we sort of hit a point of dialogue that we realized was, um, for lack of a better term in my head, pretty fucking good content that yeah. I, I think you'd really like to hear. So you can hear that at the end. But uh, it's been great hanging out here, uh, getting Nick and Johnny in a room. is a great time. And um, it's fun talking about the Ska album and, and Ska in general because John and myself um, together have been to a number of Ska shows. A plethora, if you yeah. will. It, it kind of pales into comparison to the number of Scott shows that John's been to overall, which is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. If you're in a moderately successful Scott band and you're listening, uh, based out of the Michigan area, I've been probably there. heard you as an opening act somewhere. I've been there, for sure. <laughs> yeah, did you, did you open oh. for blank? Oh, another ref really quick. Sorry, from the last M9, if I throw this in here. I Go don't, for it. Okay. The... Uh, LAX, they have a line, your allowance exceeds my rent. Yeah. About the the people who live in LA who are, you know, all hoity toity. Yeah. You know, entitled, et cetera, et cetera. And the line is, your allowance exceeds my rent, um, which is the name of a song by We Are the Union, which is a super awesome uh, Michigan, I think it's Ann Arbor based mm-hmm. ska punk band. Who just reunited last year? I think you should definitely go check him out. If, yeah, for sure. If you see anything mm-hmm. with their name on it, yeah. Shit, I was I was thinking earlier about how um, you you and I and some other friends saw a concert back in the day that was Big D in the Kids Table. Yep. Um, Goldfinger. Yep. I got a story about that part of that story. Uh, like, I think, yeah, we think we have the same story this, about Goldfinger. I hope it's the same story, Fucking, yeah. um, who else was on that? that it was that, Less Than Jake, and I think it was Real Big Fish, so it's... Was it... That's a stack Was that lineup. or was it Suburban Legends is the thing I've struggled with? It could have been. I feel like either... I think it was both, though. I really think it was Less Than Jake and... Because I think Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish were touring together. Yes, they were definitely touring and together. And Goldfinger, and, like, jumped on the tour and Big D and the it, Kids Table happened to be there. Because that was at... Normally, we were going to see shows at smaller venues, and that was at the... Uh, Royal Oak, I think. Yeah. The Royal Oak Music Royal, Theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This episode brought to you by the Royal Oak Music <laughs> <laughs> Which, that is... That's like Scott Punk venue. royalty right there. Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. like, those oh, yeah. guys are, like, the classic... Yeah, groups that everyone knows, and then Big D is, is obviously I like mm-hmm. them a whole lot. Man, if you're a Big D fan and you're listening, um, don't don't go to Streetlight Manifesto shows anymore. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, and I hate to go against any of our potential listeners, but I also saw another concert that was Streetlight Manifesto and Big D in the kids' table, and our friend Matt. Creech, little Creekio, got just fucking punched in the head by a Big D fan, and you oh, know what? Wow, we. Well, here's the thing: they were just like punk skanking or power skanking or skank coring, skank coring. Yeah, skanking. that's what I think. That's the skank coring, and and it's just like, man, there's a scene for that, and it's not like mariachi bands <laughs> in a positive way. Mariachi ska, I think, is really is that what is that what Streetlight is? Mariachi ska. No, Streetlight's <laughs> uh, one of my favorite together. bands of all time. There's yeah, something else altogether. It transcends. 
I'm going to see them September 15th. If you're there September 15th, mm-hmm. look for the guy with the Hawaiian shirt. That's mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so when we saw Goldfinger, yep. um, mm-hmm. the drummer. Yep, it was the drummer. Does this bit. Or did, you know, did or I does. I hope he doesn't do it all the time. Yeah, so the drummer did a bit where they called uh, a, a volunteer out of the audience. Mm-hmm. And the drummer in... I, I I don't know how to like. Fr- the drummer put a Twinkie in his butt. He did, and got this like audience member to eat the Twinkie out of the out of his butt. And I'm like thirteen. Oh wow! Like, what the fuck is this? Oh man, that's like, that's like uh, <laughs> a nicer version of like some Gigi Allen shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty pretty. Uh, interesting time like for Gigi Allen would Andrew. just make you eat the booty but this guy's like nah I'm gonna throw a Twinkie in there yeah you can eat, just eat the Twinkie you don't have to go <laughs> in the booty just eat the Twinkie like you don't even have to get the whole Twinkie just get the mm. part that's sticking out oh man yeah it was that was intense that was a that was a moment in my life that I will never forget you live in a post eating the Twinkie out of the butt world <laughs> yeah. now yes. yeah my life is, in, is in, <laughs> yes. irrevocably changed yeah um, my life is in, I think, three segments. There's pre, um, eating the Twinkie out of the butt. <laughs> and then there's eating the Twinkie out of the butt to seeing, um, Corey Henry. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there's post Corey Henry. And I'm, I, I swear to you, I've said this since episode one, we're going to do an all Corey Henry episode eventually, but we'll get there. Oh, wait, 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 oh, wait. Did go, I already know? life. Uh, you know what? I think I already knew this, but I just I just sent you a friend request on Facebook, and I just saw that your cover photo was with Eric Andre. Yeah, dude, I met Eric Andre. I was briefly. at that show. You were at the one in the, at the Crowfoot Ballroom. I also yeah. met Eric Andre. So so, so this when go on. Nick and I were working together as dishwashers, like a what feels like a lifetime ago. Indeed. When Nick told me he was going to the Eric Andre show. And I went home the day of that show, and a lot of my friends at home were going to the Eric Andre show. <laughs> she been sold out for months, so I was just yeah. like chilling by myself. Which, like, there was like one was ticket left, and then like I got it or something like something yeah, like that it happened. Was that, it was yeah. There was they were like yeah. There was one ticket left, and John bought it, and so. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, the crowfoot even po- I get posted that like, hey, sorry guys, it's sold out. John bought the last ticket. <laughs> I get back to Fuck Kalamazoo, God. and on like the same day, scrolling through my Facebook feed, there's like Nick Nick Lancaster has a new profile photo, and it's like <laughs> Nick and Eric Andre, and I scroll down more, and it's like John Johnson has a new profile photo, and it's like John and several people with Eric Andre, and I'm like. Oh, fucking tight, guys. Sick. Super fun. Mm. Right, and you notice in the photo, Nick, we're all doing the, the hang loose sign. Yeah. Um, that was an inside joke at the time. Um, well, here's the, the thing about you. You went, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought oh, yeah, it was, it was great. great. Um, I really liked the opening act was talking about uh, Chuck E. Cheese. He was talking about how he worked at Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming back to me now. And I worked at Chuck E. Cheese a long time ago. <laughs> oh, God. Star-crossed lovers. I was Chucky, so like we like, <laughs> bonded over that. Yeah, I did the dance for the kids. I threw the tickets. Oh, my God. I'm a monster. And so uh, we we waited, though. We wanted to be the last people to meet Eric Andre. So we okay. were the last people in line, and he was exhausted and didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. 
but he still took a picture with us and we all did the the hang loose thing and he goes are you guys a fucking boy band or something (laughs) (laughs) and and then he signed a a bunch of shit we had but like we didn't have things to sign really like kreesh and i had a ticket we went and saw system of a down earlier that week so we signed our system of a down ticket And he said, I forget what he wrote on it. But then he signed, one of our friends gave him his library card to sign. And he just wrote fuck books on the, on the library card. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then another friend gave him a pack of Marlboro Lights. And he said, like, smoke camels or something on him. Yeah. Is, he's a terrific per- person. Yeah. I and I mean, like, the fact that he could do his whole stand-up show and then, like, after the show, he just jumped down into the audience and got mobbed by everyone. Yeah, swarmed. And he was just so willing to like take oh, pictures with everyone this and is hang the, out with everyone. This is the guy from um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Yeah, he was yeah. the barista. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I was right. wondering who he was. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's most known for, actually. <laughs> Definitely. God, fuck that. Oh, my uh, God. The Eric Andre show is pretty tight. Uh, he's one of the nicest like celebrities chillest dudes like ever yes ah he was so nice he's so awesome so <laughs> I, as much as i love the conversation here and hey let's call the shots maybe check out a project from the three of us in a few months we gotta wrap up we yeah. gotta call this so call it right um now. call it there's john, gonna be a long one you guys john what do you got going on um, these days what's, I, what's coming up uh post september 11th when po- the episode comes out post september 11th we have a show in grand rapids i think it's gonna be at rockies but mm-hmm. i will double check on that but you, you know what you should do is like our facebook page paradise outlaw on facebook it's uh there's a picture of me on there you'll obviously know who i am at this point i liked it while we were recording yeah so obviously they'll be all over that um <laughs> And then also, uh, we have some shows coming up in October and November in Holland. I think we are playing the New Holland Brewery. Oh, it's a great venue. I've played there before. I have I never it. played it. I'm excited to do it. It's super nice. And then uh, November, we are playing Ernie's Mediterranean Grill in... Sounds Clinton. like a food truck. It is a, a Greek <laughs> restaurant. In Clinton Township, Michigan. I'm sorry if I insulted anyone. Right there. I, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm sure it's a beautiful venue. <laughs> it's wonderful, and you should definitely come to that as well. And the, so be on the lookout for Paradise Outlaw business. Sounds awesome. good. Nick, you got anything to uh, to plug us right now? Uh, nothing. Uh, I guess something personally like adjacent to me. Um, uh, there's a project I've been working on with my girlfriend in Vicksburg, Michigan. Uh, it's a paper mill that they're working on renovating into a brewery, beer garden, restaurant, uh, sort of entertainment venue. And on October 6th, on October 7th, they're doing a hidden Vicksburg tour. Um, I've been working pretty closely to the project, taking some photos for uh, the people working on it. And it's kind of a cool thing. So if you want to come check that out in Vicksburg, October 7th, uh, my girlfriend will be giving a tour. What's her name? Oh, yeah. It's probably important. Her name is Alicia Risk, and she's very good at what she does. So if you want to come support that, uh, October 7th, come check it out. Awesome. Andrew, what are you uh, What are you up to? Um, 
Gonna be bouncing around the Kalamazoo comedy scene a little bit. Um, coming up, uh, probably starting in October. I haven't really had the schedule right, so look for dates in the future. But um, as I said last time, you can uh, find me on September 20th at Harvey's on the Mall in Kalamazoo as Jon Snow in the roast of Jon Snow. These things are super fun. Comedians get together, uh, play fictional characters roasting other fictional characters. This one is featuring all Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire characters. And these shows are usually packed, right? Like, there's usually standing room only for these. Yeah, it's it's gotta be the most popular um, free comedy shows (laughs) in Kalamazoo are these quarterly roasts. So, if you're interested, I would get there early. People dress up. It is There are uh, featured drinks on special based on the thing that we're doing. Don't know what those are yet, but <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Um, and, and you should, if you're around, you should come check it out. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, as I said earlier, we're going to have a little uh, bonus segment at the end uh, where we all figuratively suck Donald Glover's dick. <laughs> um True. I'm Andrew J. Pytel. I'm Nick Lancaster. I'm John Johnson. And this has been Something Old. Something New. Something Borrowed. And uh, Something Brewed. Thanks for listening. Well, shit, you guys remember the first time you heard Freaks and Geeks? Right. Well, I, actually, I didn't know. I knew. I listened to Camp first. Oh, see, oh, I wasn't no. aware then, of that until... Yeah, see, no. I bought the Camp CD, and that mm-hmm. came with like the bonus like the gotcha. download card, and Freaks and Geeks was on that. Yeah. But it's like, he got that name... From a Wu Tang Clan name generator, mm-hmm. and it's almost yeah. like he he started doing rap, not to be taken super seriously, but he did and, it. And he didn't expect it to turn into this thing where now it's like I'm a serious Absolutely. artist, and, and now I'm using this like silly Wu Tang Clan yeah, name yeah. generator. I think he I think he really experienced like a full artistic cycle with the albums under like being Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. and that's why he really dropped like he's. There's not really anywhere to go as that persona now. Yeah, because you saw the logical conclusion of it. You saw Freaks and Geeks was like fun, pop culture y, like Mm -hmm. lyric driven, free. Like, like, it was very much like it it felt a lot like his weirdo comedy special, right? It's, It's timed out perfectly. Everything's super tight. These are super good references. Everything's really in there. And then he had a bit of an artistic renaissance on the next one. And so he had to have this like this this big finale of of being an artist to mm-hmm. tie it all together. And it's like, what the fuck do you do after that? Right. Well, I guess you change your name yeah. and start again <laughs> and do something different. Because Donald Glover probably do whatever type of music he wanted to. I almost feel like he did the Childish Gambino, he went under that moniker because uh, he didn't want to throw throw it out under Donald Glover, and everyone just mm-hmm. instantly attack. You know, it's like a like a popular writer writing under a pseudonym, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and this that did come out when he was still like he was like community. I mean, community during... wasn't ever huge, but it was noteworthy enough that like. Then he talks about this in in Weirdo again, where it's like, oh, it's Troy from Community. Do Troy and Abed in the morning? Like, <laughs> like, like he at that point, 
could easily have been afraid of like being stuck in a box oh, as yeah. Donald Glover. Which now there's no way he'll be yeah, stuck he in. Fucking shattered that box. Mm-hmm. Lando Calrissian. I can't wait for that. that shit. I can't wait for that. Uh, I was actually a huge fan of Atlanta. Oh, I haven't watched fuck it yet. Yeah. God, my brother I, told me it was awesome. Atlanta is so good. Atlanta's incredible. It's so good. It's I. You know, I wasn't sure. We got to put this. It. We got to put this in the episode. Okay, let's okay. tag this on at the end. I'll tag it we'll on. Say, <laughs> stay tuned after the outro music talking to hear us all suck Glover. Donald Glover's dick <laughs> <laughs> figuratively. Oh man, it because I wish, this is the best yeah. thing we've done. Wish. Yeah, Atlanta is. He describes it as Twin Peaks, but with rappers. Okay. <laughs> so like that's kind of it, it's yeah. like it's so good. It's so tight. Like the, the production, oh, like yeah. straight from the opening credits to like any like any establishing shot. Like you, I, I'm watching that movie. Movie. I'm watching that TV show. Like like a movie that's coming out from a renowned director. Like yeah. each shot, I'm breaking down, and it's so good. Oh yeah, my fa- my ab- it, and he just takes liberties and does whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and he creates this universe like whatever universe he wants to create. Like in one of the episodes, He's writing the rap songs that are playing on the radios in that show, uh-huh. and like yeah. getting like. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's like, at this point, he's just, he's an auteur. He can do whatever he wants, and he has, like, a creative vision for his mm-hmm. life. My favorite thing, though, is that <laughs> in one of the episodes, so like, a, a basic, basic, basic premise of the show is that Donald Glover discovers, his character discovers that his cousin is this underground rap star, and so he's kind of like a college dropout, and he has, like, a kid with his estranged ex and he he decides to become the manager for his cousin who's this underground rap star because he's an ivy league dropout right and so in one of the episodes there's like this charity baseball or not baseball uh basketball game and he gets his cousin Paperboy, which is his rap name to like partake in this uh charity basketball event and there's one moment where they're like talking and there's like a bunch of producers and like media people around in the episode and uh <laughs> paperboy goes oh shit it's justin bieber and you and then <laughs> they just have some random black dude playing justin bieber and roll with it like the, in that universe justin bieber's like a black dude <laughs> it's like yeah no one like bats an eye and it's just like uh, it's and jaleel white is in that episode yeah. randomly like Donald Glover just does whatever he wants and it's you know you just go with it I don't know it's it's hilarious the whole show is so funny and also very sad and dark at the same time like there are moments that are like oh I'm very uncomfortable right now yeah it's I mean it's challenging like it oh, wouldn't yeah. be well it's on FX you know they, they deliver that's quality content on FX all right, well, thanks for listening to the after episode <laughs> Donald Glover tangent. Talking um, Glover. We, we have big news next episode. Listen for it. <laughs> Peace. Uh.